All right, we are live with after day one of the NHL draft. It feels like we're on day four, basically, of how long that was. It was it was quite a long draft. Began at just after eight o'clock. It is almost midnight Eastern time. The first, uh, I should say, thirty-one players drafted because, of course, Arizona did lose a pick. Over Owen Power went to the Buffalo Sabers. I guess just looking at day one, what would you say the the biggest winners were for today? Well, two teams stick out for me uh the first one being the detroit red wings uh it's not a broken record it feels like we've said this the past few seasons the the red wings have drafted very well you know getting simon edmondson at number six was uh, a bit of a coup you know I, I think a lot of people knew that anybody between two and sort of six or seven or even eight or nine could be jumbled around but you know i i had simon edmondson sort of second overall um in in my rankings and so to get a defenseman like that, a, a guy with size, uh, great skating, great two-way game, uh, you know, plays with some fire, uh, that's great for the Red Wings. And then, of course, they followed up with getting goaltender Sebastian Kosa, who I know is a favorite of yours. Uh, Read on hockeynews.com. That's right. That's right. Read it on the, uh, the website now. Um, yeah, Kosa, one of the sort of the, the two, uh, you know, top two goalies, uh, Jesper Wallstead being the other one. Uh, Kosa ends up being the first off the board to the Red Wings. And, you know, keep in mind, you know, Detroit, you know, they kind of need a goalie of the future. They, they have some options, but uh, from what I'm hearing, Keith Petrozelli uh, does not plan on signing with the Red Wings. Uh, so you sort of subtract one player right there. Uh, so now they get Kosa, a player who, I mean, for me, I think he's the type of goalie that he won't necessarily take five years. He could only take maybe three years to get to the NHL, you know, just based on how well he's playing already and, and based on the size. And obviously he's, you know, still got um, some some growing up to do in terms of putting strength on his frame and, and things like that. But I, th I think he's in a pretty good position. So if you're the Red Wings, you know, this is a kid that you could be seeing sort of sooner than later. And I thought it was a pretty savvy move to, to jump up a bit to make sure you got your guy. Um, the other team that I thought was a, a big winner was Columbus, and the Blue Jackets needed to have a big draft. Obviously, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the Seth Jones trade in a bit, but this is a team that they didn't have a lot of high-end skill in their pipeline, and they don't have a lot of high-end skill in their NHL lineup right now either. First pick they have, Kent Johnson, Mr. Skill himself, you know, at the University of Michigan, mainly played on the wing this year, but, you know, he has played center before. So, you know, if you're patient and he sticks around with the Wolverines for maybe, you know, two more seasons, maybe he plays more center there and, and becomes that, uh, that scoring pivot that you desperately need in Columbus. And then of course, you know, they, they had three picks overall with the second one, they go with Cole Sillinger, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, another center, but uh, a different one in the sense that he's a, a lot more stocky, can definitely give you offense, but also has a nice physical edge to his game. He can drop the gloves if necessary. So two great center prospects right off the hop there. And then later in the first round, they follow it up with uh, defenseman Corson Kuhlemans, who for me, I, I it's funny, I feel that not enough people have zoned in on the fact that he plays a really nice physical game. And maybe it's just because, you know, not a lot of people watched him uh, in the Alberta Junior A League with, with Brooks this year. And then there was a lot of games to watch, to be to be fair. But I see Kuhlman's as a really nice two-way defenseman who moves well, uh, but can also make you pay. 
if uh, you're trying to get into his end or if you're trying to lug the puck up the ice. So he's headed to the University University of Wisconsin. Obviously, he'll be a Badger for several years. Um, overall, just I think the Blue Jackets, they, they accomplished what they needed to accomplish, which was you know, get some more skill, get some more high-end picks. I think they did very well. The one that the I really like is Arizona. And we, it's mostly because we didn't expect them to actually pick. Um, uh, up until the lead up to the draft. And obviously there was Oliver Lechman Larson trade and they went out there and got Dylan Gunther. And that's a huge one for there. He's so well-rounded, strong skater, equally dangerous as a shooter and a passer. And he kind of says that himself. He thinks that he's kind of worked enough on both of those being key aspects of his game. Um, he, he had kind of a quiet U18 world championship performance by his standards, but that team was just so loaded that they didn't really need him to be that good. So I, I'm not too worried about that one. You mentioned the Blue Jackets. Another team I think came out looking really strong obviously having three first round picks definitely contributes to that um i do like the uh trying well of course minnesota getting jesper wallstad that was great uh for wild fans and i think they were kind of laughing because i think a lot of people expected him to go to the oilers when he, that was available and they traded the pick away and then he goes to minnesota of course if you don't know wallstad he actually did score a goal when he was 14 in the swedish league he is a goaltender just so are in the swedish u20 league he scored a goal as a goalie Pretty impressive. Um, so that one worked out really well for them. I also do like Wyatt Johnson to Dallas. You kind of mentioned that it's like, this is on Twitter. This is a guy where he he didn't play much. Obviously, he only played the U18s, and he played a check-in role. So there's not a lot to go off of this year. But I still think kind of, like in that case, they, they might actually have a bit of a steal there because he's a pretty solid player. Yeah, he missed all this time, but clearly Dallas still feels highly about him. For sure. And this was a player that, you know, I, I had heard could be that sort of sleeper in the draft. Uh, I, I guess if you get taken in the first round, you're you're no longer qualified as a sleeper. But I'm sure uh, Dallas doesn't mind, uh, you know, how we refer to him. You know, great hockey sense, attacks with pace and speed. And, you know, I, I thought we saw some nice elements of his game at the World Under-18s. As you pointed out, I mean, Canada was so loaded that, you know, there were certain players that, I mean, there's there's only one puck on the ice and, um, you know, not everybody's going to be the star, especially when you've got Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, uh, you know, the young kids there. And then Mason McTavish was a uh, was very good in that tournament as well. But Wyatt Johnston was a player that, uh, you know, I, I know uh, a lot of teams were very high on and it's that potential. And, you know, they, they saw some good growth, um, you know, sort of at the end of his 16 year old season and. Again, you know, with these OHL players, you're just kind of hoping that you nail the projection because they did lose a season of development. And it is a big leap going from, you know, 16, 17 to 17, 18 years old. That's a crucial season. Um, and I, I think the Dallas, you know, they're, they're going to be very pleased with their scouts and how they projected in saying, yeah, let's let's get Wyatt Johnston now because he's not going to last very long if we wait until the second round. I also like Nashville's pick of uh, Zachary LaRue a lot. He's a bull in a China shop, but he's so much fun to watch. And I love the story they're telling the broadcast about he flipped somebody off while he was doing an interview. And that was pretty funny. Let's talk about the most shocking pick. And I guess we, they, we weren't really expecting it to be anything but Tyler Boucher. And then all of a sudden, Tyler Boucher at number 10, by the way, read a great story. Uh, Ryan posted today about it or tonight, but Logan Mayu going to the Montreal Canadiens at 31 after he asked teams to not draft him. I will point out, and I'll bring up the statement if I get an opportunity here. They actually did 
the Canadians released a statement shortly after selecting him, basically saying the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player, but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. The Canadians are aware of the situation by no means minimize the severity of Logan's actions. Logan understands the impact of his actions. His recent public statement is a genuine acknowledgement of his poor behavior in the first step of his personal journey. We are making commitment to accompany Logan on his journey by providing him with the tools to mature and the necessary support to guide him in his development. We are also committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of their actions on the lives of others. I think everyone kind of saw in the broadcast, they were quite shocked. I think everyone was shocked uh, just seeing from your tweets and everyone's tweets kind of everyone was surprised. But the fact that the team had a statement ready to go about a player they drafted and it wasn't like a, we're so excited about it. That's not a good thing. No, I, I thought it was pretty embarrassing. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, you could see on the official broadcast um, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the good folks on that broadcast, uh, you know, they don't want to be too critical of things. And, you know, this is a, a marquee NHL event. And I, I thought, you know, they, they did what they could to sort of uh, say, you know, this is pretty shocking, uh, but they didn't want to get into it too much, uh, pretty clear. But I mean, I'll say it. I, I think it's embarrassing for the league. Um, I think Montreal and it sort of showed up the league in, in doing so, uh, particularly in a time where, you know, uh, the NHL is, is faced with this, this scandal in, in Chicago, uh, this alleged cover up of, of sex crimes of a different nature uh, with the Blackhawks stemming back to, uh, you know, 2010, um, you know, with their former video coach, Brad Aldrich, you know, to take this kid who has said, hey, look, I, I know I need to mature. I know I may, I need to make better decisions and, and learn from this. For Montreal to take him, to me, it's saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, there, there are no repercussions to this sort of behavior. You know, you can, you can do these things. Uh, you can, you know, you can victimize uh, somebody and you can still be a, a first round NHL draft pick. I think it's a really bad look. Um, you know, I mean, you can dress it up however you want and say, oh, we want to help him on his journey. Um, I, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bury this kid because he's already come out and said that he was sorry, but does he deserve to be on this journey right now? Uh, it feels like there has to be some sort of, uh, you know, period where, um, you know, there, there's some sort of, uh, penance, uh, for, you know, literal crimes uh, against somebody who, you know, didn't deserve this whatsoever. And, and, you know, I'll also point out, we've seen recently in stories that the victim has said she doesn't feel like Mayu has properly apologized to her yet. So that's hanging out there as well. Uh, all, all around, I'm, I'm sure this is just the beginning of this story, but real bad look for the hat. Like, yeah, we're currently in a situation with the Chicago Blackhawks. And obviously there's, there's never, it's never a good time when something like this happens where we're, there's a player involved in something like this or anyone anytime is involved in this. It's it's a sad situation. The player was asking teams to not draft. There was still the rumbling that, yeah, you know, a team might pick them, but maybe fifth, sixth or seventh round. And, you know, just like we got this guy in the back burner. Let's see if he really grows, but to draft in the first round on national television, just, it seems like just a poor PR mistake among millions of other reasons. why That wasn't a great call. 
For sure. I mean, it just seems like a poor moral choice to make, um, especially, you know, like hockey culture doesn't have the best reputation uh, when it comes to these things. And to it just kind of seems like the Habs, you know, the Habs said, ah, you know what, we value the on ice more. And, uh, you know, it, and this isn't even a case of like, you know, he said, she said, which is a term I don't really like to begin with. But, you know, this is not even like up in the air. Like <laughs> it happened. He was, you know, he paid a fine. You know, there was a conviction. Um, it happened. And it, it just seems like there should be a little bit of, you know, there should be a stay in there that lasts longer than like a couple of months. Yeah, and also just from from what we're seeing on Twitter that Logan will actually talk to the media tomorrow morning. So interesting that he'll be facing the media on that. Also, we do know that uh, Sam Reinhardt is expected to go to the Panthers as a, for what and the details we don't know yet. But it is interesting he comes right after the first round and not during the first round. So yeah, whatever. Let's talk about quickly just before we wrap this up. Just a couple trades that did actually happen. Seth Jones going to the Chicago Blackhawks. I know that was something that's been kind of rumored for a while. And it was like, it almost seemed like a smart fit. And then his brother goes there, obviously. So it's like, like okay, this kind of makes sense. But maybe the contract doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, it's a steep contract. Uh, nine and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't mind the term. I think Seth Jones still has a lot of good hockey left in him. So I don't mind the term. Um, you know, it's interesting because the Hawks still have some pretty big contracts. Uh, obviously, Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves as well. I, I think where they benefit is, you know, they have some key guys that are still on either entry-level deals or kind of like RFA deals. So, you know, like Kirby Doc is going to give you more value uh, than his contract has against the cap for, for a while now. Um, you know, I would say the same probably for Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, and, and some other guys. Um, yeah, it's it's big, uh, but it does show Chicago's commitment to Seth Jones. It'll be interesting to see uh, just where this franchise is in sort of a, a couple of years. Um, you know, is, is Tave still playing? We know he's going through a lot physically right now. And, you know, he's the type of player who I'm, I'm sure he would love to play as long as possible, but he has accomplished quite a bit already so if he was not fit to continue um it would be understandable so you know i, I think there's a lot of moving parts in, parts in chicago but they clearly feel like you know with patrick kane still producing the way he is that they're not far off being i don't know if they're a, i wouldn't put them in contender status but they're at least you know a playoff team um you know if they can sort of forge that lineup together and you know if, if Taves does come back then obviously they're a lot stronger up front but with Seth Jones um, obviously at this point in both of their careers he's a, a pretty big upgrade upgrade from Duncan Keith who they obviously just traded to Edmonton recently and then Oliver Ekman Larson to the Vancouver Canucks that's one where it's a couple of not so great contracts getting traded for a really solid player in Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson, who himself doesn't have an ideal contract, obviously a few other draft picks were thrown in there. I guess, what are your initial thoughts after seeing that trade? Well, uh, I could tell that Canucks Twitter had already exploded, so I didn't pile on. 
Um, you know, Ekman Larson has struggled of late, and it'll be interesting to see what he does in Vancouver, which is a pretty harsh media spotlight. You know, being in Arizona, um, it's it's pretty chill out there if you're an NHL player. Uh, Ekman Larson obviously is going to you know, face a lot more scrutiny in Vancouver. And, you know, it'd be great if he could turn his game around because, you know, in the past we saw, uh, you know, a, a pretty good puck mover who could give you, give you offense. Um, obviously he was, uh, you know, a, a guy that had a leadership role in Arizona. Um, but the ticket's big. The ticket is big. And Vancouver, I mean, they've got some guys that need new contracts like Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, you know, guys coming off RFA deals. And, you know, Pedersen and Hughes, I mean, those are cornerstones if you're Vancouver. So it's going to be interesting to see how GM Jim Benning navigates the salary cap in the coming years and to make sure that he keeps all the players around that he needs. And, you know, and you know, Thatcher Demko is another player that, you know, eventually you're going to have to pay him a lot of money too. So uh, very interesting. Uh, be, I'm very intrigued to see how it will shake out. I wrote a kind of a reaction piece to that. You can check out on the hockeynews.com. All right, that's it for tonight's uh, chat about the trades, the draft. It was a busy day, and it hopefully tomorrow won't take so long. I don't know how much you remember from that draft day two last year, and I think it's still going on at this point. So I'm kind of just hoping it doesn't go that long. But thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll see you guys soon.